Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson today comes from Matthew's Gospel, the 13th chapter. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they did not have root. Other seed fell amongst the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred and sixty or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Listen, let me tell you what the parable of the sower means, he said. When anyone hears about the message of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is a seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the one who hears the word and once receives it with joy. But since they have no root... It only lasts a short time, and when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And the one who receives the seed that fell amongst the thorns is the one who hears the word, but worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it that produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sold. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, as we gather to worship the day, We gather once again to hear your word read and proclaimed, but let those words not fall upon deaf ears, but let them fall clearly in our hearts so that we listen to them and clearly hear your words for us this day. And our lives are so transformed that we would come away from this hour not just as hearers of your word, but as doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. I'm an amateur groundskeeper of sorts. I am constantly working on my yard in a quest for the perfect lawn. You know what I'm talking about, weed-free, lush, that green carpet of fescue that is perfectly manicured, soft and cool beneath bare feet, in the summer. I spend the year tending to the grass and the soil with seed and fertilizer and water, aerating it and adding soil amendments, etc., doing all the things 
And so when I think about this parable, when I read it in Matthew's gospel, I think of the labor of love that I put in attending the yard and my quest for a yard that is that gorgeous emerald green color, like the outfield of Fenway Park, the perfect yard, if you will. The day's pericope in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is teaching the people once again. He goes out to teach. The crowds are gathered around. The news of his teaching and his ministry is spread far and wide. Sure, they've come, some to hear him because he's the Messiah or because they hear the hearing miracles, but really they've come to hear his message. And so he goes out and it's a standing room only crowd, so much so that it pushes him back up to the water. And he has to get into a boat and row out. I mean, it's every preacher's dream to have a crowd like that where the sanctuary is standing room only. Now, for some of us, it may be about our ego, but for most of us, it's about the fact that there will be that many people exposed, that many people who would hear the word of God so clearly. So we've had to modify that dream a little bit. So now our dream is that standing room only really means that there's so many people tuned into live stream that we crash the internet, that we crash the servers, that so many people are dialed in in their homes watching. Have no fear. Our server here is big enough to handle that. But just imagine with me a crowd that size. That's what Jesus faced. He faced a crowd that size and they came to hear his messages because he spoke the truth, but he spoke it in a way that they could hear it. He didn't use big words or deep concepts. He told parables, stories that people could understand in real life. Today's parable, the parable of the sower, Jesus is explaining that Jesus, that God is the farmer, the sower that goes out into the field and scatters the seed, which is God's word. And so the dependent variable in this story in the harvest is the soil itself. The hearers of the word. Now you talk about a shot right across our bow and across the bow of the world, that it is that the hearers of the word, if we want to bear fruit for God's kingdom, is solely based on our receptivity. Our ability to hear and to listen and to take heart and understand God's word. See, my brothers and sisters, it's the condition of the soil of our souls that matters most in growing the kingdom of God. It's the condition of the soil of our souls that matters most in the kingdom of God. See, the growth of the kingdom is directly related to our willingness to hear God's word spoken to us this day and all the days. It's directly related to us listening to God because if we want to fix the mess of the world around us, we can't depend on someone else. It's our responsibility to listen and to take heart to what God is saying to us and to let it take root in our lives and be lived out by our lives as Christ's agents. When I think of this parable, the first two types of soil that Jesus describes, it reminds me of 
growing up on Yorkshire Road. It reminds me of that we had in our backyard, we played a lot of backyard baseball and the place it was home plate, we beat it down so much that it was barren. I mean, it was hard packed clay. You couldn't grow anything there. My poor father, he would try every year to throw some seed on it, to till it up and stir it up, but it was so hard packed that the grass would never grow. It would never take root there. Oh, so many wonderful memories. But in that one patch, we saw the rocky soil. We saw the soil that was so hard packed that it wouldn't grow. When I think of that spot, it reminds me of a high school classmate who one year went to Young Life summer camp. And he came home from that summer camp. He had not been a member of a church, had not been church. And he came home from that on fire for Jesus, on fire for God, so excited about it. And as he told his family, they told me that was the stupidest thing they'd ever heard. No one took it a step further with him. It's just dumb to believe in that. And so you know what happened with no one there to nurture that, no one there to help tend the soil of his life. He too eventually fell away. See, for us to grow the kingdom of God, we cannot be like that. We cannot let seeds that are planted in people's lives just wither and die on the vine because the soil was not nurtured. We must engage them and engage them in nurturing their faith and in nurturing their soul. What we know what happens is that we need to nurture that in a way that people grow. See, faith formation happens here at the church, but more of it happens out there. It happens in our homes, in our neighborhoods, where we spend more time together. I think of our young families as they try to figure out how to raise their children in a world that is not so much tuned to the church any longer. We will provide all the tools and all the resources. Kate and Jeanette in our children's ministry department, Tammy and Tyler in our youth ministry department, want to nurture and resource our parents. But the work, the hard work of nurturing faith in children and youth happens at home where they spend a preponderance of their time. See, if we want to build the kingdom, we've got to nurture those that are just starting the journey. The second part or the third part of this parable, if you will, reminds me of a story of a colleague of mine. He tells a story that he had two neighbors that were strongly tied into the tobacco road wars, you know, Carolina and Duke. And so one night the Duke neighbor slipped into his neighbor's yard and he took Bermuda grass seed and he wrote, go Duke in Bermuda grass seed, spread it out so it was just perfectly lined. Now this was after the grass had started to grow. So the Bermuda grass begins to grow as well. But nobody noticed that. Nobody noticed it until winter came. And if you know anything about Bermuda grass, as soon as the weather turns cold, it goes brown and dies. And so over here in the Tar Hill yard, all of a sudden in beautiful, if you will, if you're a Duke fan, dead Bermuda grass in their yard, it said, go Duke. Because the Bermuda grass had choked out the fescue. If we think of our lives and our and what happens in our homes, think about the people that we surround ourselves with. Which ones build us up? Which ones hold us back? Which ones choke out the growth that we make 
to be the people that God wants us to be. If you don't know who they are, start to follow them on Facebook. Look around at the people that are your friends. Look at the words that they say. The wonderful thing about Facebook is that we see and catch up with each other, but the shadow side of Facebook is that sometimes our shadow side comes out. Kind and wonderful people that we see face to face behind the semi-anonymity of social media begin to say things that make us cringe, that make us question, are these the people we want to be associated with? Now, I'm not against the difference of opinion, but it's how you express it. And that's what we need to be afraid of, is how do they express that difference of opinion? Do they express it in a way that makes sense? Do they express it in a way that invites dialogue so that we can see where each other comes from or their absolutes? Or do they say things that are so vitriolic that we just need to walk away? How do these people, these so-called friends, affect us and our lives? See, my brothers and sisters, if we want to bear fruit, if we want to bear fruit that God calls us to, we may need to turn away and separate ourselves from those that choke out the life of Christ in our lives. To move away from those that squelch the love of God in the world around us. Witness that love to them, but separate ourselves so that they don't threaten to choke us out. And then there's the final type of soil. See, to grow great crops, great grass, great fruit, to do great things for the kingdom, you need good soil. Anyone that's a gardener will tell you, if you want to do that, the first thing you need to understand is to understand what type of soil you have to test it, to find out the pH balance and all the makeup of it. And when you do that, you figure out what amendments you need to add to nurture it. Maybe it's lime, maybe it's gypsum, maybe it's organics or some other fertilizer. But when you tend to the soil, that's what matters. See, once the soil is good, you can grow great crops. And I think about my never-ending quest for the perfect yard. It starts with the soil, understanding what we need to add to it throughout the year so that it will grow a lush green lawn. My brothers and sisters, for us to be our best selves, for us to be our best selves and produce the fruit that the kingdom of God demands now more than ever, we've got to have good soil for God's word to grow within our hearts, to be lived out in our lives. We do that by surrounding ourselves with people who nurture us, who teach, who reflect, who challenge, who mentor, who love and bring out the best in us. We nurture the soil of our lives by tending the spiritual practices, by listening to God in prayer, in practice, in reading scripture, in praying time and again to find out what it is that God wants us to do. And as we practice our faith, as we become the hands and feet of Christ to repeat that process over and over again and rejoicing in the little things that make a difference. We've got to be willing to fail forward for the right reasons, willing to try new things, willing to experiment, willing to see what we can do to bear fruit for the sake of the kingdom. 
Because then and only then will we have good soil. And then and only then may we bear the fruit that God requires. So do something with me this week. As you take your walk around the neighborhood or drive and go out for that afternoon drive, or maybe as you play 18 holes of golf, or you dream of lazy afternoons at the ball field, as you gaze across the yard, the course, the ball field, the farmer's fields, ask yourselves, what kind of fruit can we bear for the kingdom? And when we ask ourselves that, ask ourselves the follow-up question, how is it with our souls? Because when we ask that question, we're really asking about the condition of our souls, the soil in which God's root grows. And when we know the answer, then let us tend the soil of our souls so that we may make a difference for the kingdom of God around us. Let us tend the fruit of the soil of our souls by surrounding ourselves with good people, by nurturing each other in the faith, and by doing all that we can to grow. So that the seeds that God is planting in our hearts may take root, may not be choked out, and may flourish for all the world to see. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.